0: Hello and welcome to the Creative Writer's Toolbelt, the podcast that gives you advice and insights for your writing. I'm Andy Chamberlain, I'm a writer and creative writing coach, and in each episode we'll be exploring an aspect of the craft together. You can find out more about me at my website, andrewjchamberlain.com, where you can also find out about the Creative Writer's Toolbelt Handbook, which gives all the best advice and insight from the early episodes of the podcast and distill them into one volume. I hope this podcast is helpful to you on your writing journey. If you do find it useful, please consider leaving a review for the Creative Writer's Toolbelt wherever you download it. So thank you for joining me, and here's the episode. Hello and welcome to episode 178 of the Creative Writer's Toolbelt. My guest for this episode is the non-fiction and science fiction writer, Jesse Quack. In this episode, we talk about the different writing processes that people use, how to choose the right one for you, and why some writers have found the pandemic such a difficult time. When we're exploring the writing process, we also talk about the importance of using a process that gives you joy how essential it is for us to know ourselves as writers and when and how to hire the right professionals to help us with our writing. I had a great time talking to Jesse and really reflecting on some of these very important issues. I hope you find the conversation useful to listen to. Here it is. So Jesse, welcome to the Creative Writers Toolbelt. It's great to have you as our guest today.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This is fun.
0: So I'd like to start by asking you if you would just tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, I know you've done all kinds of different different writing and worked in different genres and disciplines and stuff. So perhaps you could tell us a little bit about what you've done and what you're up to now.
1: Yeah, so I am a sci-fi writer as well as a non-fiction ghost writer. I work primarily with business book clients. And then I also do some copywriting for a lot of like B2B content marketing sort of things. Okay. So that's my, the breadth of my writing. And I've also written my own, some nonfiction as well as the sci-fi.
0: Okay. I've just been thinking about the latest book that you've brought out. And one of the points that you bring out, I think, in that, and you kind of explore a little bit is why it's so hard to write and why it's such a difficult process. And I wondered if you could just unpack that for us, because we all find it hard to write as writers, and we don't always know why. And it would be good for somebody to just kind of guide us through why that might be.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So the the book, From Big Idea to Book, it's all about kind of helping writers find a writing process that works for them. And one of the reasons that I wanted to write it is exactly what you were saying. It can be so hard as a writer to get the writing done. You're, you know, it's what you love to do. It's what lights you up. But I think so many of us have a hard time just getting in front of the computer and sitting mm. down or, you know, mm. with our pen and paper. Um, and I think part of that is the writing writing can be so vulnerable even if you know like me if you're writing shoot 'em up sci-fi adventures you're still putting a lot of yourself on the page mm. and you're still you know pouring out the story that you've been thinking of and knowing that it will eventually be read by other people mm. and that's i think where writing starts to get harder for people is when you when other people are getting inside your mind and you're thinking, oh no, my mom's gonna read this, or <laughs> will this get published, or will I ever find an agent, or all of those other questions, I mm. think, are what kind mm. of start getting in your mind and making the writing more difficult.
0: So it's not surprising when we think about it that we realize writing is quite an exposing thing, isn't it? We we are exposing ourselves, our our skills or lack of as writers and and the way the way that we practice our art. But perhaps it's been, I wonder if you think it's been very particularly difficult in the last couple of years or so with the pandemic. I know I've spoken to writers who, um, some of them have just written loads of stuff during the pandemic and others, it just, even though they had time, they just ground to a halt and it was really quite, you know, distressing for them because they couldn't get anything done. Do you think that's been a particular issue then with with the pandemic we've been through and and what's been your experience talking to people about that?
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think because writing takes so much kind of internal concentration and focus when there's when the world is chaos it can be really hard to find that focus Um, I certainly at the beginning of the pandemic had a huge problem trying to find any time to write even though I had all the time in the world but finding that mental space was so difficult Mm -hmm. because you just you know I was on I was on Twitter scrolling and finding (laughs) what was going on in the world I was on news sites I was calling my sister to be like, oh my gosh, what's going on with your kids There's in school and is everything okay? Yeah. And um, and that has been the experience with a lot of writers that I talk to. I think for me, I eventually found a lot of peace and escape and purpose in getting back to the writing, but it to get there required a lot of discipline and to turn off... That part of my mind that had been so tuned into the news and the mm. the chaos and so addicted to that mm. finding out what's happening next. Um, and saying, okay, once you're done here, you can go back on Twitter and see how how chaotic the world is. But just take a few minutes, take a few minutes for yourself, yeah. because that's, you know, the world needs a lot of things right now, but one thing the world does need is people who are able to continue producing their art. Yeah. I think that's so important.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I, I I wondered as well if you think that um we have become perhaps unhelpfully addicted to constant news, constant stimulus, and constant stuff. And actually for writers that so that's quite unhelpful in terms of creating our own practice.
1: Yeah. I think there's almost kind of two aspects of writing. There's consuming because we do need to be aware of what's going on in the world. You know, we do need to be reading in our current genres and experiencing the world, but then there's also the part where you need to process it and create it into your own thing. And I think that's the part you, you can't mix those two. If you are in the process of consuming, it's very difficult to create. And so I think that's, that's where, when you get, when you just have the faucet of the world turned on constantly, <laughs> there's no way you can't find that mental space to oh. come up with your own interpretation of it.
0: Okay. Now, one of the things that really intrigued me about your new book was actually the kind of the, the subtitle of it. So it, it it is called from, from big idea to book. I think that's correct. Isn't it? That's the title, mm-hmm. but, but there is a, there is a kind of, subtitle to it which is create a writing practice that brings you joy which really fascinated me because I think particularly that you would choose the word joy and I'm sure you chose that having reflected on it Um, and I wondered if you could tell us a little bit about your interpretation of what what did you mean by joy and what kind of writing practice might lead us to joy
1: I think when I was first starting writing, when I was a kid, I wasn't doing it because I wanted to you know, hit a bestseller list or become famous or even have anybody read it, but it was just because it was so much fun to tell stories. And as I got older, it, as I mentioned before, you know, you kind of get those voices in your head, like mm. who's gonna read this? What are they gonna think about it? Is this ever going to find an audience? And I had found myself over the past few years just being very stressed about the writing process. And in part, I started, as I unpacked that, I started to realize it was because I had this, all of these other expectations that were getting in the way of me enjoying the process. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's where the idea of joy came from. I just really wanted to help people find their own way of removing the voices and the expectations that were putting so much pressure on their idea of getting, getting the work done and instead go back to the basics of, okay, why am I doing this? Why am I telling stories? What do I enjoy about this?
0: So it's, it almost sounds like a bit of decluttering in a way in that you're, you're kind of clearing away that all those other expectations and, and re rediscovering perhaps the thing that like you brings a lot of us to write in the first place. Just the joy of writing a story, the joy of telling a story. But can you give us some advice on how we might do that? Because so many of us are are we we set goals, we set expectations, we want people to love our writing and maybe we want to sell loads of books and maybe we want to find an agent and all of this stuff. Um Mm-mm. is there a is there a mental process we have to go through and what is it to kind of stripple that away?
1: I think it's similar to what we were talking about earlier with kind of experiencing the world and then finding the quiet space to write you know those your goals and expectations you can't you probably shouldn't just get rid of all of them i mean i as a published author i I have my own word count goals and I have deadlines and I have readers that I know i'm gonna are gonna like these books, mm. but it's sort of learning how to shut the door on those voices when you go into your writing space.
0: Mm.
1: I think that's that's kind of the key there. And there are a few things that kind of silencing that inner critic or those those critical voices, there are a few things that um I have tried that I think work really well. Okay. One is like journaling about it. Um just sort of if you can name it, maybe when you start sit down and start to write and think okay, Oh, I'm feeling a little stressed about this. start by by naming those things that you're worried about or that are in your head and get them out on paper so that you can have that have that over there. I mean, you could literally ball it up and throw it away if that helps as kind of a physical act and then move into kind of this ritual writing space where you've, you know, you've written those things out and banished them outside your door. and in here you're just working on, The process of writing.
0: So, so there are psychological and even physical things that you can do to release the unhelpful stuff and then just Mm -hmm. come back to focusing on what, what you're doing. One of the things I know that you talk about in your book is encouraging writers to focus on their strengths. And I wondered what kind of strengths you think writers might have, because I think sometimes writers don't know what their strengths are or or they're they're too busy or confused to identify them.
1: Mm-hmm. I think start by what you find what what comes easiest to you and what seems the most fun. So, I mean, I have talked to people who they're they love the first draft and for them just kind of careening into <laughs> into the wilderness and just writing down words one after the other and exploring the stories it comes that is really fun and easy for them. Mm -hmm. And maybe because of that, they don't like the revision process as much, or they're not as much a fan of editing or things like that. Um, Or I know, you know, other people who love the world building and they will spend hours just kind of creating these big intricate worlds and then never write a word on their novel because they're spending (laughs) so much time creating this Mm -hmm. fantasy world. Um, For me, it's, I like revision. and so. Staring at the blank page is very difficult for me. I don't like not knowing where the story's going. I like once I've got the story, some semblance of it. I like reshaping that. So that's what kind of comes naturally and is more fun for me. Obviously, you have to be able to do all of these parts of the process, right? So that's why I recommend if you kind of start with what comes easiest to you, figure out how you can use that skill and that strength in the other parts. So I'll I'll use myself as an example. Um, yeah, because I I enjoy the revision process, and so for years it was just so hard for me to write a first draft because, as I said, like I don't know I don't know where the story is going. This is making me crazy. So I would try to outline, but that still didn't quite work because I'm really a discovery writer, um, and I don't even if I've outlined, I don't know what's going to happen in the scene until I start writing it. So I just had this constant frustration of, I know I need to write the scene to figure out what happens, but I hate not knowing where I'm going, which is why I'm outlining. Yeah. So what I've started doing is writing kind of a zero draft, which is, I, I still do outline. Then in that scene, I'll just kind of, or I'll kind of go act by act and I'll just write a really fast version of the, of like, say the first act of the book. and once I get that fast version done, then I I have the material to quote unquote revise when I'm actually writing the first draft of that. And so that taps into my revision brain where I can be like, okay, (laughs) I have all these pieces and I'm making them better. But what it did was get rid of my kind of critical first draft brain where I was like, oh, this has to be a good first draft. And instead it's just like snippets of dialogue and Mm. it's really more ideation than Mm. it is drafting. Mm -hmm. And then I get to kind of revise all of those bits that I've brainstormed into an actual draft. And so that, yeah, that just kind of helped me tap into my strength, which is revision, and really sped up the process once I sorted that out.
0: All of this makes me think about how important kind of self-reflection might be for anyone, and let's just say for writers for now, but for anyone. So, uh, and some people may think that sounds a bit ethereal and a bit kind of vague, but you've obviously been through a process of reflecting on what is it that you really do enjoy? What is it that you find difficult? And as you learn, as you've learnt to know yourself, you have then been able to bring strategies to bear on helping you with your process. So have you got any advice for for writers? Assuming you think reflecting in that way is a good thing. How how should writers reflect on what their strengths are? How could, how do they literally do that?
1: I think one of the things that really helped me um, in the last few years was there's a, a woman named Becca Simes who has a course called Write Better Faster. And I was reading some of her work. I, I read her book and I eventually took that course and that helped me to kind of, you know, she, it's a, it's a very structured, like, okay, here are your specific strengths Um, here are some ways as a writer, you can use them. Mm. It's not necessarily revision or fast drafting or those kinds of strengths. It's like you are more contemplative or you're an achiever or you, I am now never, I'm not going to remember a single one of them now that (laughs) that I'm on the spot.
0: Well, people can look it up, can't they? I guess. And and find out. Yeah. But I think we get, you know, we, you're, you're telling us the kind of core of of what it is. So that's good.
1: So that for me was a very good resource. Um, but I think just, you know, if you like talking with a a writer friend and just saying, okay, let me talk you through my process and Mm. you'll, Mm. you'll realize like, okay, I'm getting excited when I tell you about this part, I'm Mm. getting frustrated when I'm telling you about this part, Mm. you could even, you know, have your friend kind of take notes on what you're telling them. And they'll be like, oh, you really lit up when you talked about world building or you really lit up when you talked about dialogue or, you know, creating new characters or whatever the thing might be. So I think just having those discussions with with other writers can be really helpful.
0: Okay. now, I also wonder whether some people perhaps I'm looking at myself here, actually, I can find the thing that I'm really good at and I can kind of almost indulge in that. I I was thinking this when you were talking about people who enjoy world building. And I think, you know, in, in the kind of fantastic genres, it's, it's, there's this kind of notorious thing for writers who love world building and they'll, they'll build this massive complex world and they love it. But then there's no story. It's just like, it's just this perfect model that they've built. So how, how does, how does one both enjoy the things one is good at and has strength in, but not just kind of end up being sucked into it and not actually looking at the whole?
1: Yeah, that, that is the million dollar question, isn't it? <laughs> because you you have to figure out how to be decent at all of the parts of the process. Mm. And even if it's not the part that you enjoy. Um, I think, you know, for example, if you're someone who loves world building, um, you might find ways to look forward to putting that world building into the, the draft that you're writing, or I'm trying to think of a way of tying in a love of world building into the editing process, but, you know, maybe you can enjoy finding those extra little snippets of detail and massaging them and polishing them up until they're beautiful in, in that editing process, but kind of still tapping into, this is what I love about it. So, you know.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now, if we think about, go back, we come to the beginning of the process, think about the idea for the book. One of the things that I know you talk about is how useful it is to just give a kind of succinct rendering of the idea that you're going to write mm-hmm. about, which for people who have never done that, they always make the mistake of thinking that's really easy. And people who've done it a lot know it's not. Um, but why is it such a good idea to go through that discipline of creating a succinct expression of the idea that your book is going to be?
1: I think there are a couple of reasons. Um, one is that it helps keep you on track as you're writing. Um, and especially if you are writing for publication. And whether you're planning on self-publishing it, whether you're planning on looking for an agent, at some point you're gonna to have to come up with that log line of here's what my book's about in one sentence, in two sentences, you know, and you're you're going to have to figure that out at some point. So I think it can really help figuring it out at the beginning so that as you write it's con- your idea is constantly turning towards that compass and you you know you're not wandering off in mm. some other direction mm. um for example the series that I'm working on now is it's about a group of kind of misfits who are all a little lost in a drift and they find each other and eventually find home and so it's, it's about finding home. It's about coming together. It's about what does home mean? What does family mean? And I wrote that little sentence at the beginning saying, okay, this is what it's about. So as I was writing, even the first draft, it's like, okay, well, here's one person's idea of home. Here's another idea Mm. of home. Mm. When they walk into this, this space, what does that remind them of home? And so just kind of having that theme in mind made it. So when I got to the revision process, It wasn't like I'd written an entire book about uh, revenge (laughs) instead (laughs) of finding home (laughs) and be like, Oh, I guess I have to change my entire idea. (laughs) So that's kind of the first reason I I suggest to do it. The other reason I think that it can be really helpful to kind of find your succinct idea ahead of time is that it can release other expectations from you. You're not writing an, Mm epic fantasy saga about x y and z you're writing a simple story about you know abc and yeah. so it can kind of help you let go of these you know thinking oh i need to have this thing in my book or my book needs to be more literary or my book needs mm-hmm. to be more mm-hmm. whatever it is because if you can define for yourself first what you're writing then you're not so worried about all of these other things
0: sure. So I guess if you if you work out what it should be, then you don't have to worry about it the fact that it's not something else, and you are kind of released from worrying about whether it's doing something else. it's only it's got to just be that thing. Mm-hmm. um the one the other thing I wanted to ask you about this was, do you think it is also the case that it's the process of creating the succinct that succinct summary of the idea? that helps you work out in the first place, what the idea is, is it, is it an iterative process to come towards the idea? And so it, you know, it's a, like with your book, perhaps it's something about a group of people, it's something about family. And then it's, it's actually mm-hmm. more, and you kind of focus in them, something about home. And is that is that a thing? Does that is that how it works for you?
1: Yeah, yeah. It's a very iterative process to get to that succinct moment and oftentimes as as i said i'm kind of, i'm a discovery writer so i don't often know what i'm writing until mm. i dig into it so i i as i write a first draft i'm constantly revising my outline and i'm constantly revising that sentence or that kind of back cover copy mm. of here's what the book is about mm. and you know it might be halfway through the book i'm like oh my gosh this is it I found it. (laughs) This is the sentence that you know that works for this book. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But I do a lot of. I have a kind of a journaling um, file. I use Scrivener, and so I have a little journal file that I visit every, you know, few writing sessions and just kind of check in on how do I feel about this, how is it going, Mm. what Mm. what are my what are my my thoughts around it, do I feel like I'm on track, and that's kind of often. it's in, in that kind of pre-writing journaling that I, I get more to that truth of what I'm actually writing.
0: It reminds me of the image that Stephen King talks about in his book on writing, where he talks about writing as a kind of form of archaeology. So the idea is that the book is there. Mm-hmm. It's all fully formed like some kind of fossil. You might have read it and you might, you know might know where I'm going with this. And all we've got to do is gently dig it out. In its fully formed state, but we don't know what it is completely. We might have a vague idea, and then as we work on it, gradually we see what the thing is. I'm quite, I kind of buy into that idea actually, and maybe it's a thing that discovered writers do. I don't know, but it's that seems like a good, a good sort of theory for how stories are emerge and are written.
1: Yeah, yeah, I love that. I I love his book on writing, and that that image is so perfect for how Mm -hmm. I view writing for sure. And that's part of you know I part of, I think, digging at that idea is the daily practice of sitting down or the, you know, it doesn't have to be every day, but the regular practice of sitting down and mining the words that you will use (laughs) to put together in your book. Mm. Um, And so you're, you know, you kind of have to, at first, just claw away at it. And you're not, Mm. you're not really refined. You're not sitting there with your little paintbrush and (laughs) Finding the perfect little bone that's hidden in the the soil. You're just kind of digging. Okay, we need. Let's get down to where the book almost is, and it's those later passes that are really refining. Mm. But yeah, yeah, it's that. it's a
0: great. I I don't know whether it it's one of those things that doesn't work. It might not work for everybody because I'd look at that that analogy and I think that's so brilliant. And it must work for everybody. But it may it may not. I don't know. Now you've mentioned outlining a couple of times in our conversation. And I wondered if you could just explain for us briefly what outlining is and what your thoughts are on whether some only some people should outline or everybody should outline or how, how does that work?
1: Yeah. So outlining essentially is, you know, the process of figuring out the path from beginning of the book to the end of the book. Um, and there are a bunch of really great books on different kind of structures that you might use to structure your story. And there's a lot of different kind of theories like, is it, do you use three acts? Do you use four acts? I'm actually my, uh, the series I'm working on now is really inspired by a kind of a television style TV structure or storytelling structure. So I'm using five acts with kind of a little tag at the end and a teaser at the beginning. And so how many acts you use will depend on what type of story you're trying to tell the beats that you you might hit you know the different highs and lows and kind of set points in the story like if you're writing a mystery there has you know there's the point where the mystery is discovered right there's several red herrings that will go in there there's the climactic reveal at the end there's different points that you're going to have to hit in your story and if you outline you can kind of see where those points should be And some people, some writers need to have that outline before they even get going. Some writers, as soon as they write the outline, they get bored because they've already, they know where the story went. And so why would they bother writing
0: it? Yeah. Yeah. So is it again a case of know yourself and know whether it's going to work for you?
1: Yes, absolutely. And there's, I think both whether you're a heavy outliner or a complete like by the seat of your pants first draft person um, there's you can learn something from what the other people are doing so I I do recommend learning about outlining even if it's Mm. not something that ever really ends up serving you Um, I know I, I a friend of mine told me a few years back this blew my mind that he only outlines the first half of every book because he never knows, he, he's like, I always have to end up revising the second half of my outline anyways, because it goes off the rails. So why do I bother outlining the entire book? I just stopped doing that. I only outlined the first half. And I was like, oh, okay. oh that's brilliant.
0: <laughs> okay. Yeah. I mean, I've never heard that before, but yeah, great. I guess I guess it's only by practicing these things and thinking about them that you work out what works for you, for each of us, don't, mm-hmm. don't we really? So we've also talked about drafting. And the drafting process and the tricky first draft. I guess some people just love their first draft. But um, I wondered what your opinion was on with with the first time we draft. Like some people say, don't edit it. Don't worry. Just get the thing out. Get it all done. Don't stop. Just you know, you get on the bus and you go, and that's it. Other people, I think, would would stop and do little bits of editing along the way. Do you, have you got an opinion on this? What do you think is the best? If indeed there is just one size fits all, is is there a one size fits all best way of doing this or is it different for different people?
1: Yeah, I think, I think again, it's different for different people. Um, I am, I kind of cycle through my drafts. So I'll, I I mentioned, you know, doing kind of the zero draft of the first act and then Mm. I will go and write that and then I'll kind of, I'll revise that. And once I feel like I've got a solid base there, then I'll move on. And so I'm constantly kind of, going back a few chapters and revising and then writing the next few chapters and then going back and revising and um by for me that that works i was recently at a um a writing retreat and it was there was a word count um you know word count contest how many words could you write during this retreat and i was like i know this is normally my process but i'm just going to write as, i'm just going to keep writing even though i would normally go back and revise yeah, i'm just gonna yeah. going to keep going and I just couldn't, I got stuck and I was so frustrated because I just wanted to win that word count contest, Yeah, but I couldn't break out of my process. Yeah. And why was I trying? Because my process is what works for me, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I do know other people who um, the instant they go back and start rereading anything they've written, they just end up revising the first chapter over and over and over yeah. and over yeah. and they never make progress. And they, yeah. you know, they've said to me, I can't just I can't even look back at it. I have to get to the end before mm. I even think about what came first. But yep. you know, they, they might be able to say, "Okay, oh, I know I'm going to add this character here, so I'll just make a note to remember to write that character into the beginning, and I'll start mm. from here as though this character's mm. always been there." And my brain is like, "Ah, oh, how can you do that? <laughs> you know that character? You got to go put them in. You got to make it yeah. right before you yeah. can keep going forward."
0: So, yeah. oh, it's really interesting because like i I can think of a project i worked on and i did like twenty thousand words and i stopped and edited it and had someone help me edit it and it just made me grind to a halt i couldn't i couldn't do any more of it for like six months that was like so so i so for me i've just got to kind of get the thing done otherwise I, i i kind of lose it completely but i think what i'm learning from this is that um in a sense it doesn't matter about the word count competition or what anybody else is doing, it's like, what is your process that you have worked out for yourself? Trust it and do it. It's that kind, that, that seems to be the idea here.
1: Right. And I think that's, you know, going back to the joy conversation, that's mm. again, where that joy comes in is I am unhappy <laughs> if I am trying to force myself to do a type of writing that doesn't work. You would be unhappy if you were trying to force yourself to go back and revise when you just Mm. want to get to the end. And so we all kind of, I think instinctively know, okay, this is what I've done. I would like to refine it.
0: Mm. But
1: I think as authors, as writers, we have, we also have that like, oh, am I doing it right? What is everyone else doing? He does it differently. She does it differently. Like maybe I should try that instead. Should I be doing this? And so I think there's so much a little bit of panic and anxiety about is my writing process, right. Mm. And I mean, the answer is yes. If it's working for you, yes. (laughs) If it's not, let's try to find some things that are different, but.
0: No, that's really interesting. It's, it's, it's not so much, is your writing process right, but is it right for you? As Mm -hmm. kind of, yeah, that's, that's, that's some kind of really hearing that loud and clear from, from this, this process. Um, One of the other things that you talk about, which I know a lot of writers suffer from, and we've alluded to this a little bit is the inner critic Um, and the inner critic is a terrible, terrible thing. How, Mm -hmm. how some people listening to this will be going, I hate that voice. How do you banish the inner critic that that really unhelpful, not, not a constructive idea, but that really kind of unhelpful nagging voice that just, just is unhelpfully critical.
1: Yeah, that is, that is a tough thing to do. It's, you know, it's easy to say, oh, well, just, Remind yourself that this is only a first draft or,
0: mm. you know,
1: jot down the mean things your inner critic is saying and then set them on fire, like ritually set them on fire in your bathroom sink. You know, there, there are things that you can do kind of these little rituals and reminders to help you um, just help you remember that while you're sitting there writing, that is not the place for the critic. The critic can come when you're editing, when you're
0: Mm. revising,
1: and doing other things. Like that's when you bring in this more. Okay, I'll put my editor cap back on. But that's, I mean, it's way easier said than done. It's, it's Uh really a matter of, Mm. um, in like Stephen Pressfield's ideas of resistance, and you know, every single day you're going to sit down and you're going to face resistance and you're going to face that inner critic, and every single day you're just going to have to say, not today please step aside i'm writing and some days are going to be easier and harder than mm. others um mm. and it will get easier over time um mm. and i mean honestly therapy of speaking with a professional can be incredibly helpful and mm. you know a lot of writers are suffering from self doubt mm. and you know a lot of that self doubt is incredibly unfounded <laughs> and speaking with a professional who can actually help you kind of suss through some of your your specific ways that self doubt is manifesting can mm. i think be incredibly
0: helpful so just pursuing that a little bit further then is the secret to managing the inner critic more about good management of myself than it is good management of particular process i'm doing is it is the answer more of a kind of i i am a writer and i am okay as a writer and that's who i am
1: yeah, I think it is, it is more about the writer and just kind of your own self-knowledge. But again, going back to the turning off the world and finding your writing space mm. that can be part of that, that ritual um, of mm. kind of that crossing the border into the space where you are a writer and nothing else matters. And you've turned off the world, you've turned off your notifications, you've, you know, done some journaling to get whatever uh, oppressive thoughts out of your head or, you know, your to-do list or anything like that. You've set that aside. You've, I don't know, maybe you've lit a candle or made yourself a cup of tea and you've turned off the internet. <laughs> and there can be a lot of value in those sort of rituals mm. that get you mm. into the writing mindset.
0: Mm. Mm. You may have come across writers there in your time who they just get stuck. And perhaps recently in the you know in the last, by recently I mean, in the last couple of years, with the pandemic and everything and and they do get stuck so if if a writer says, "I'm just stuck," what would you say to them if they need help how do How do they kind of deal with that
1: I think sometimes it's good to walk away from what you're working on mm. if you especially if you're not coming up against a hard deadline, <laughs> if you have the time, <laughs> if you have the space, you know yeah maybe let go of your own expectations for for a bit and take a step back and see see what you want to be doing i think often well for example at the beginning of the pandemic i was meeting with several friends and one had been frustrated for a while like even kind of pre-pandemic and he was feeling stuck he had keep kept setting himself goals of like i'm gonna write a thousand words a day and then we'd meet next month and he'd be like i didn't write a single day and i'm so upset with myself and i'm so'm I'm so stuck and one of the other members of our group said hey what about instead of setting yourself a goal of writing every day instead your goal this month is that you're not a writer anymore and you do whatever else you want do you know enjoy your other hobbies do whatever you want but take Just tell yourself this month I'm not a writer, and Mm. maybe next month I can be a writer again. But this month Mm. I'm just I'm going to explore other things, and uh, you know, uh, this the first guy was like, no, 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 that's not going to work. But when we met next month, he was like, I wrote, you know, (laughs) twenty thousand words this month. We're like, oh my gosh, how did you do it? He's like, well, I took your advice and I decided, you know what, never mind. I'm just not going to be a writer, and instantly. I started having ideas, and I wanted to write really <laughs> he had just it yeah. was taking off that external expectation of yeah. i must do a thousand words a day and instead saying, You know what I'll write if i want to, and all of a sudden he wanted to write
0: <laughs> yeah it's it's really this is really fascinating because it it's just reinforcing in my mind that it's if you think there's one answer, then there isn't. It's just you've got to find, you've got to do the work of finding the thing that works for you.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: and yeah, maybe maybe hearing what other people have to say and getting wisdom from other other writers is, is is a great way of accessing accessing that. So in the whole writing process, once we've written something, we then come to revision. And actually, there's quite a number of writers who don't really know what the process of revision really is or what the steps could be. So I'm wondering if you could tell us a little bit what the steps are in revision, perhaps for you, and maybe you know, maybe there are different models of it. But how does Mm. it work, do you think?
1: Yeah. So essentially, revision is taking the first draft, the big messy first draft that you have created, and figuring out what your story is, (laughs) and then getting that draft in in order or throwing out parts, writing new parts. Um, It's almost like I think in a lot of ways, restructuring that first draft to fit fit the story that you now know you're telling. I think especially in in early in your early career, you've probably you probably haven't written a super coherent, super on point to an outline book, and so it's it it could be a little messy. You might not know where you were going when you started. Um, so in that case, it can be really helpful just to take some time away from your, your book. You know, take a, a month, a, two months, sort of forget what you wrote. <laughs> that can be helpful. And then come back and say, okay, I'm going to reread this. I'm going to take notes. I know a lot of people will print out print out their draft and then mm-hmm. take notes longhand mm-hmm. kind of in a journal maybe. Um, a lot of sticky notes, post-it notes, whatever it takes to kind of help you get your your idea of okay, this is this is the story I was trying to tell. Um and then figure out okay, what what parts of this still work? What parts need some refinement? Are things told in the right order? Is the pacing right? Um this is normally something that you would do before you're going to share it with anybody else, although you might have somebody that you trust well enough to share mm. kind of your really raw first draft stage but I think it can be a really helpful process to um, read through it lo- and taking longhand notes and then almost re-outline and make sure that you're kind of in the you're you're headed in the right direction and then sit down and <laughs> copy paste move and edit and yeah.
0: <laughs> Now you talked there briefly about getting help from other people. So what kind of help do you think we can get re- with, with revision? Where might we need to co-opt that help?
1: yeah, one option for getting help in an early stage is hiring a developmental editor, and that's somebody who can really help or sometimes they'll um call themselves like a book doctor, and you know they can really see like, okay, here's the story here and help you through that revision process. Um, it that can be super expensive, and I don't know that that's really necessary for for everyone, but if you're feeling super stuck and the cost isn't a problem, working with a developmental editor can be really, really valuable at that mm. stage.
0: Right. If you were going to use a developmental editor, how much of what you would do with them do you think is the relationship and them understanding what you're trying to get to and, and how much is just, just the technical stuff that they can give you?
1: Yeah, I think a lot of that is is the relationship. Mm. Um, I certainly know with with my editor... I, she, she knows what I'm trying to accomplish with my books. And mm, mm. so she'll, she'll suggest things like, I, I really think with these characters, this is what I feel like you're trying to do. Is that right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um. And so I think having somebody who, who does understand you and you feel very comfortable with, you know, I wouldn't just hire the first person who you see that has a developmental editor section on their website, but, you know, really like interview them, have conversations with multiple people um get recommendations if this is a route that you want to go down for sure
0: it sounds like you almost want them to be standing next to you when you look at the the big fossil in the in the sand whatever kind of come back to the Stephen Mm -hmm. King thing and they can see it as well as you they can see the shape of it they can see what it should be and so actually you trust them to dig some of the mud out of the right places and and show you where maybe the bits can be kind of you take the toothbrush Mm -hmm. to some bits and the shovel to others. Okay. But I guess if you do, if you do need to hire someone professionally, you've already given us a couple of tips, I think, on how we do that. But I wonder if you could just talk to us a little bit more about think that the kind of wisdom that you'd impart to somebody who's perhaps on the verge of hiring a copy editor or a development editor, or maybe a sensitivity reader or whatever they're going to do. What, what, how should you go about doing that?
1: Yeah, I think, Again, like interviewing them and knowing that, if, trying to find the right fit is super important. Um, even you know, even with a copy editor, you want somebody who is going to understand your style and voice mm. and not mm. edit all of the nuance out of it. Um, I've certainly had that with people who've maybe edited a short story and they were like, you know, well, this word doesn't work, or this is a fragment, or this is not grammatically correct. I'm like, I know, but that was part of the story. <laughs> <laughs> And I think that can especially be important if you're coming from like, this is audio, right? So I'm, I'm a white woman and I have a fairly standard voice. Um, But if you're coming from a culture, that's not uh, like the mainstream literary voice working with an editor who comes from mainstream literary might edit out cultural nuances and Mm. phrasing and not understand just Mm -hmm. really not understand what you're trying to do. So I think Mm -hmm. in that case, it's especially Mm -hmm. important to find an editor who's, who understands the story that you're trying to tell. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And you mentioned sensitivity readers, which I think is a really, really great thing to do. If you have, um, well, one of my books has a deaf character as a point of view. And I hired a sensitivity reader to read the book and make sure that I wasn't doing anything that was completely off base and going to take people out of the story and be offensive. And I just wanted, you know, in the same way that if I was going to write a story that was like about, say, early NASA space program years, I would hire somebody who knew about that instead of just Mm. relying on my own research to Mm. make sure I had the details correct and make Mm. sure that I was writing as authentically as possible.
0: Mm.
1: So I think hiring experts, whether that's sensitivity readers for um, cultures or experiences that you don't have experience with, or hiring experts who have, you know, say technical knowledge or, you know, somebody who used to be a detective and can consult on your novel, if you're Mm. writing a police procedural, like that can be really, really valuable.
0: Mm. Yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting because it, I think some people could be forgiven for thinking that that's almost a bit of an indulgence for the writer to hire somebody to do this. But actually, it could spot some real howler mistakes and you can avoid them. Mm-hmm. And also, it can just elevate your writing to just a higher level and it just gives it a, a quality and richness which which is worth it.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Okay. So, we're coming to the end of our conversation now. And I wondered if um, I mean, people have been listening to this and we've talked about some some fascinating things, I think, particularly around finding what's right for you as a, as a principle um, and, and just like processes of re- revision and reflection, all of that kind of stuff. And if people want to find out more, so if people want to find out about from big idea to book um, or some of the other things that you've written, how would they do that?
1: Um, My website is kind of the hub for everything about me. So jessiequack.com, J-E-S-S-I-E-K-W-A-K. You'll find links to From Big Idea to Book, as well as my previous nonfiction book, which is From Chaos to Creativity, which is about kind of productivity for creative-brained people. Um, And you'll also find my science fiction there and all of that sort of thing.
0: Cool. So that just tell us that website address again, just in case people missed it.
1: Yeah, jessiequack.com, J-E-S-S-I-E-K-W-A-K.
0: Great. Jessie, thanks very much for your time. It's been great to talk to you. Um, I've learned some stuff just and reinforced some things that I thought may or may not have been true, which is really good. So thanks very much indeed. Appreciate it.
1: Yeah, thank you. This was so much fun. It was such a pleasure and a joy to talk to you.
0: Thanks very yeah, much. You too. Bye-bye.
1: Take care. Bye. Bye. <laughs>
0: Thank you for listening to the Creative Writer's Toolbelt podcast. You can find out more about the podcast at my website, andrewjchamberlain.com, where you can also find details of the Creative Writer's Toolbelt handbook, which takes all the best advice and insight from the early episodes of the podcast and distills it into one volume. I hope this episode has been helpful to you on your writing journey. If it has, please consider leaving a review for the Creative Writer's Toolbelt podcast wherever you download it. Thank you for listening to this episode and goodbye.